Hello and welcome to this episode of the Daily Walk Heaven Words podcast. I'm Father Stanislaw and I'm honored and privileged to share with you God's Word. Let's prepare ourselves to receive the Word of God by bowing our heads and pray. Almighty ever-living God, increase our faith, hope and charity and make us love what you command so that we may merit what you promise through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. The Gospel of the Lord. When I was preparing myself for this liturgy, I opened the lectionary and I saw a very short Gospel passage compared to the ones that we heard in this past week, right? long parables. So I said, preparing for this liturgy is going to be kind of easier, faster than usual. Nope. <laughs> Didn't work that way. Because this passage, of course, it's way shorter than all the others that we have heard recently, but it's incredibly packed with uh, information, with insights, because we hear how Jesus interprets things, and therefore, we want to pay attention to this because that the point of view of Jesus must be the point of view that we have. Why? Well, we are the body of Christ. When we receive Christ, we become more and more like him. And can Christ have two different points of view? No, he can't. So we need to enter into this liturgy of the word with this mindset that now God is revealing to us how he sees all things. So, where are we? Well, liturgically speaking, we are getting closer and closer to the end of the liturgical year. It means Advent is around the corner. But it also means that on the last Sunday, in ordinary time, we get the gospel passage that talks about the final exam. And we are going to hear what's going to be on that final exam. What is the only one thing that we can allow uh, to pass from this side of creation to the next one. And we are preparing for that Sunday, of course. So, um, what's happening? Last Sunday, if you remember, Jesus was met by two groups that were by nature completely opposite. They would never get together for anything. And uh, it was the the, the Sadducees and you know, that group with the Herodians. The Herodians were people who supported Herod, 
King Harry. So they were two, we will say, it's, it's anachronistic, it will be, will, will be wrong, but we, in our language, will be two political parties of opposite agenda that otherwise will never get together for anything. And, um, but now they're coming to, they came together uh, in that passage because they wanted to test Jesus. They had a common enemy. Isn't that lovely? Okay. So Jesus brings together people, even if they're enemy to each other, but they get together. Okay. And what did we hear? We heard that Jesus said, do not put me, don't try to put me on one or the other side of your agenda, because my job, in my role, my point of view is to be above these things so that both sides can be included. And that's why he told us, repay to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to think that Jesus is always on our side because guess what? The other side is also saying the very same thing. And Jesus says, don't put me in your issues. My place is different. My place is above because of who I am, what the gospel is all inclusive. Yay, that's good news. Now we see another group that normally would not get together is coming together in order to test Jesus. And these are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Pharisees and Sadducees, these were, obviously they were Jewish people, but the, the, the Pharisees were, uh, they were a lay movement of people, the Pharisees uh, would be, they committed themselves to follow all the rules of Torah. And there are 613. So they were super gods. All right? And um, the Sadducees were different, but they were still members of Judaism. They did not excommunicate each other like Christians do for some reason. We come up with that wonderful idea. But, um, and the difference was quite remarkable. For example, one believed, it, they tend to believe in that it was something else after death. The others didn't. Well, that's a major difference in catechism. One would only accept Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, with that which we call the Old Testament, while the other group followed not only Torah, but also the writings and the prophets. Major differences, same religion. They were able to live together and worship God together. So now we would say, and I really dislike using this language, but I'm going to use it just to make the point. Because this language cannot, will not, and should not be used inside the church today. Because it's a language that doesn't apply to us at all. But just to make the point clear, I'm going to use these two bad words. Ready? We would use this concept, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and think in terms of conservatives and liberals. Those were the bad words. I know, you were expecting something worse, I'm so sorry. But this language, conservative and liberal, should not be applied in the church, okay? Because we may like and dislike certain things, we may tend to go in one way or the other, but it's one body, okay? They are not one against the other. Otherwise, as St. Paul said, and we heard not too long ago, the, the, the cross of Christ is vain. It, it, it's null and void. If we keep dividing the body of Christ based on what we like, so th this would be the two things. And just like last week, we, we had two political parties. Now we have two inside currents 
movement that, that were opposite and they are now coming together in order to test Jesus. How they are going to test Jesus? They bring to him a very valid question. Although there is a layer of interesting things going on. What is the, which is the greatest commandment? Well, first of all, everybody knew which the greatest commandment. Maybe we don't today, but back then they were very clear. The greatest commandment was to keep holy the Sabbath. In fact, if you did not keep holy the Sabbath, you could be put to death. I wonder if that's where the language of holy day of obligation came from, you know, like if we don't go to... Although, keeping holy the Sabbath does not mean to go to church. It's the whole day that is holy, okay? And going to church, even for us today, it's only a part of, keeping, of that day that is supposed to be holy. All right. So we already knew the answer, but there is something else going on that we need to recover. You see, because the commandments were 613, 365 of them were negative. You shall not. The other 240-something were positive. It seems that every day of the year, we should get a shall not commandment to focus on. That's another homily. You have to keep up on that one. You have to come back. So what, what's going on? They, wanted, they were looking, and every rabbi who had a school um, would always have a way of interpreting uh, the commandments in order so people could organize them by priorities. You just cannot consider all 613 all the same. So the mind is just, you cannot do that. So each one of them had a way of prioritizing, so give you a point of view that you could consider them all the others um, in, in order. You, you can handle them in a different way. So that's what they're looking uh, from Jesus. And Jesus answered, first of all, Jesus never answered directly a question, always does whatever he has to do. So it's what is the greatest commandment, and Jesus gives them two. You just don't tell Jesus what to do. He's going to do his own thing. Okay. So he gives the first part is the Shema. The words that we heard were part of a prayer that every devout Jew would repeat several times a day. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. That's the words that we heard. Okay? So Jesus said, you know that prayer that you say every day? That should be the greatest commandment. In a way, for us Christians, we say the Our Father so many times, and we probably never wonder what that prayer meant. So Jesus is saying, keep an eye on what you're saying, because those prayers mean something and should shape our behavior, because prayers should shape our mindset. So he placed that first there and immediately put something else. And he says, and this is like it, meaning it, it gets on the other side. Jesus gives us two sides of the same coin. He says, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And this is what, how you're going to interpret everything else. Look at what Jesus is doing. To the, 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 the question, what is the greatest commandment? He is saying the greatest commandment is not a commandment at all. We no longer should relate to God in terms of commands. But what does he place 
above everything else, an attitude. And that attitude is love. Why do we keep the commandments? Love. What do we do as Christians? Love. That's lesson number one. You remember last year I kept talking about lesson number one? If you miss lesson number one, Christianity will not make sense anymore. And what is lesson number one of Christianity? God so, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whomever believes in him can be saved. So, and remember that in the Gospel of John, that's where the, the, the word comes, this verse comes from, the world is the place that is not friendly to God. And yet God loves that. Okay? So that is our mindset. Now we relate to God not in terms of, I'm going to do this, otherwise God is going to keep track of this. It's about love. And how do we relate to one another? In love. So how do we enter into this mindset? What is our relationship with God based on? Love. The answer is love. Okay? What is the, our relationship with God based on? What is our relationship based on others? And therefore, what is the relationship that it makes us relate to ourselves? Because we have to love our neighbor as ourselves. So love allows us to approach God, approach others, and approach ourselves. Welcome to Christianity 101. Aren't you glad you came? You miss this lesson, you don't understand what Christianity is about. Now, what does it mean to be loving? Because a lot of people now try to modify this way of understanding love. Uh, first of all, because in English we use love for everything, right? We love our cars, we love our dress, we, we, you know, things that never, people never say to me, I love what you've done with your hair. Just going to say, I love pasta. I lo and, and then we say to one another, I love you. I mean, obviously the word doesn't mean what it's supposed to mean anymore. And then now we're here to love God. We have to understand that love must be incredibly concrete. And in order for us to know whether we are loving or not, we have to wonder if the person that is receiving our love is feeling loved. So people say, for example, well, you know, Father, we have to love the sinner but hate the sin. I think we need to let go of this because sometimes this saying has been used to justify our self-righteousness or just the fact that we are going to be mean. Say, so, well, not, I'm loving the sinner, but I'm not, not loving the sin. Well, is the sinner feeling loved? That must be part of our examination of conscience. God has given us all the commandments out of love. When he gave us the Ten Commandments, he said, I'm the Lord your God. I let you out of slavery. And because I want you to be free, I'm telling you, don't do this, but do this. Do you understand? Sometimes we separate the context and we only keep the commands. And we think it's all about the God keeping the scoreboard on the clipboard, trying to figure out how, much points, how many points we can score. Christianity is based on loving. How do we love? Look at in the first reading. Love has to, we must love in the way that God loves. And we must love the people that God loves. Whom does God love? 
Lesson number one. God so loved the... Did he say God so loved the Catholics? God so loved the people I like or agree with? No, it didn't. I know. So now it so loved the world. And I told you that the world includes people who don't like God. What is our attitude towards them? We love them. And they're going to be our best friend. How do we know if we're loving them? They have to feel the love. Look in the first reading. God is saying, do not oppress the alien. That's a word that needs to be clarified because we're not talking about the Martians. When I received the green card many, many years ago, which I don't know if you know, but it's not green. When I, it changes colors periodically, apparently. When I got my very first card, green card, mine was pink. It was adorable. So I went back to, <laughs> I went back to the office and said, maybe there is a, I'm a boy. It should be blue. She looked at me, that's not how it works. Go away. But, um, so, and he said on the green card, resident alien. I felt a, a Martian, an extraterrestrial or something. Alien today should be translated as an immigrant. So he says, if you oppress the immigrant, watch out, because I'm going to hear their cry, I'm going to come down, and my wrath, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to make your wives widows and your children orphans. Do you think he's mad? Okay. Because we have to love every single one. We have to find a way of protecting the dignity of every single person. The story of the coat and the, uh, the cloak and the first reading, it's because people would give, if you lent me money and I could not repay you, I would say, keep my cloak until the end of the day and I will repay you. When I repay you, you're going to give it back. But God is saying, if by the end of the day, I've not been able to repay you, you had to give me back the coat because that's also my blanket. My dignity comes before the debt. Do you understand how things are different for God? And that must be our way of looking at things. If we don't do that, we end up doing what Paul is saying in the second reading. We start worshiping idols. Idols are things or ideas that we make up. And sometimes we have very strong ideas. And they even come before the gospel. Because these ideas include the things that we think about God. The things of God are not the same as God. The command is to love God above all things and make sure that always the dignity of every human being is protected because that's what he does. Because that's why he gave his only son so that we can experience healing. And this healing comes only through love. As we continue to pray, we want to thank the Lord that today is revealing himself to us as a loving father who out of love wants to heal us, wants to reconcile us, and wants to tell us this must be the way you ought to live because you were made out of love and only in love you can be truly yourself. And let's imagine for a moment what will happen to our life if love becomes truly the ideal of our lives. The motivators that allows us to bring everything we get here into the world, in our families, in our workplaces. I know a new revelation will start. 
the civilization of love, true Christianity, begins when we say yes to receive the love that God has for us, allow that love in Christ through sacraments and the word to transform us, and that's the love we bring to the world, sharing with them that God loves them too, and he can't wait for them to join in so that we can continue to build up this wonderful life that we live as children of God. And I hope you felt inspired by the Word of God to welcome the new commandments that God has given us, that Jesus gave us, the commandment to love God and to love your neighbor, because that's the only way. That's the way we look at things as Christians. I wish you well, and I continue to ask you to continue to pray for all of us as we pray for you. God bless, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.